Hey Life Canton, Roger here, one of the directors. I'm so glad that you are with us. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Either way, I want to remind you of two opportunities for you to get connected and support what God is doing at this church. One way is by giving, by supporting financially the mission of God at this church. And we're actually in a series where we're talking all about our 10-year vision and what we believe God has called us to do and is doing as as the next 10 years of, of mission at this church. And one of the ways that you can support that is to give financially. So please take this opportunity to do so. You can do that at our church center app or our website. But I also want to encourage you to get plugged in, to come to this community as a place that you belong to, because that's something we believe, is that you belong. You belong to God, so you belong to us. So I want to invite you to join us, to, to get involved, to see what we're all about, and to fill out a connect card so that we can help you do all of those things. You can find that, again, on our Church Center website, or app, and our website. We are in a series, like I said, called Torchbearer, talking all about the second half of our 10-year vision, which is to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love to our community. And we've been talking about the specifics of what that looks like and how we do that. You're about to hear a message from me uh, on how we understand this word light and what that is supposed to look like. I, I just want to warn you, there's a bit of chaos up front. Uh, I had made a last minute decision to bring on a, pe- a prop on the stage without telling a worship pastor, David, and then I kind of had to figure out. Uh, so there's a little bit of chaos. I didn't cut it out because uh, church is messy sometimes. And sometimes there's a little bit of chaos. So uh, bear with the, the first couple seconds of the messages. You hear me kind of <laughs> trying to get a lamp plugged in. Um, but give that a listen and I will catch up with you in just a moment. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Sorry, I decided six minutes ago that I wanted to use a lamp. <laughs> I want a lamp. You need power. I know where the power, I think I know where the power strip is. Got it. Okay. So I usually have what I feel like are great ideas at the worst possible moment. Thank you, David. David is, David is used to me calling like two nights before. I checked it. It's, is it work? Yeah. You got to click it twice. Yeah, we're good. We got okay, it. Good. Thank you. <laughs> David's used to me calling like two days before and be like, I want to do a new thing. Can we do it? Uh, But I've never given him no notice, so uh, if you see David, thank him for putting up with me. Uh, (laughs) But I'm so glad that you are here, especially as we are in this series where we talk about torchbearing. I want to remind you to fill out a connect card if you are a new visitor, not just because we want to get you connected, but also because we're talking about something that's very specific to our church, so we want to make sure you understand what we're talking about. Uh, My name is Roger. One of the directors here. Hopefully you recognize me. This morning Josh told me that he, uh, I was catfishing him because I wasn't wearing glasses. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully everybody recognizes who I am. Um, but we're so glad that you are here. If you uh, are new to our church or missed a couple of the messages, he's laughing now, uh, a couple of the messages, uh, I want to remind you or uh, tell you that torchbearing or being a torchbearer is actually language that we introduced about a year ago when we were discussing as a staff and an LT team, our 10-year vision and what God was calling us to do. So it's been really cool because we've, we've kind of talked about it for a year, but now during this series, we're going to be digging, digging into the specifics of what it looks like to bear the torch of Christ's love and justice to our community. Uh, and if you've been here, then you've heard a couple messages so far. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about with you, with our congregation, about what were the specific needs in our community, which we discovered were loneliness and mental health. 
And then last week, Pastor John talked to us about feeding and fanning our flame, our light. If you missed any of those, please be sure to catch up. It's really important that you hear these messages as a whole and hear what our heart is for our church and for our community. You can catch those on the podcast or the website. But so far, we've really talked about what our light needs to look like to our specific community and how to develop the light in us. Today, I want to talk a lot more about what that light looks like, um, what we're expected to look like as lights or torchbearers who give off light. So uh, we have been in Matthew 14 so far. This week, we're going to be in Matthew 15, and we're, we're going to dig into uh, Jesus continuing to build this imagery, this illustration or metaphor of light. So Matthew 5.15, Jesus says this, No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So I see Jesus continuing to talk about light. And one of the things I want to do, I want to break this verse into pieces and really dig into what each piece means. And the first thing I want to discuss is, what is light? Uh, it's really important that we understand what Jesus is talking about when he uses this metaphor. And one of the other things, it's important to acknowledge that light is a common metaphor in Scripture. It's used all over the place. It's used in the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's used in poetry. It's used in writings of the law. It's used all over the place, and it has a couple different meanings. So it's really important that as we dig into this, we know what does Jesus mean by the word light in this specific situation. And this is going to be one of those situations where you're going to hear us say from stage, again, context is important. We talk about this all the time. But we're going to see that as we look at the context of where this verse is and what Jesus said before, it's really going to inform and give us a pretty clear picture, actually, of what Jesus is talking about when he says light. And he actually gives a very detailed description of that in just a couple of verses. But the context of this verse of Matthew 14 through 16, which is our teaching verses, is that it comes in Jesus' most famous sermon, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you have probably heard of that. This is actually, I would say, a sermon that, if people don't know the content of, often in culture, they've heard Sermon on the Mount, that sermon by Jesus. So we're maybe familiar with it a little bit. But there's a lot of things Jesus says in it. It's a bunch of different teachings in one sermon, He talks a lot about uh, what he expects from his disciples in in theological truth about what it means to follow him. But But the thread, the thing that Jesus is really getting at through the whole Sermon on the Mount is what the kingdom of God looks like. And the kingdom of God is this phrase that Jesus uses to talk about the new way of life that was introduced by the way he lived and the way he died. The kind of kingdom that he expects those who follow him to actively participate in, to have a hand in building. And in the very beginning of this sermon, which is actually where we're at at this point, he gives a detailed list of what the people of the kingdom look like. Again, this is another verse you might have heard of. If, if you haven't been around church, that's okay, but it, it's called the Beatitudes. And for those of us who've been around the church a while, you've probably heard that phrase. I want to look at that, that scripture real quick. This is uh, Matthew three, uh, Matthew 5, 3 to 11, which is, again, right before the verse we're in right now. But Jesus gives this list. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven, that's another word for the kingdom of God, is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. 
God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So Jesus keeps using this word blessing, and we use blessing pretty loosely (laughs) in our culture, in our context. But in scripture, talking about a blessing, a blessing was uh, receiving situational benefits or uh, just benefits in general from having a favorable or positive relationship with God. The things you received because you were in a good relationship with God. That's how scripture talks about blessing. So Jesus outlines the kinds of blessings that the people of the kingdom will receive and which of them will be blessed. He's giving a a detailed description of kingdom people. And, And here's one thing to think about based on kind of what we uphold in church and in, in our church culture, our sometimes weird, odd church culture, I, I think we might expect, if this was like a modern teaching, that Jesus would say the blessed are the spiritually mature. The blessed are the wise. The blessed are those who are good followers. But he doesn't say any of that. None of those, those things make the list. Let's look at the list again. And I, I separate them out because I'm bad at memory. Uh, so I have a list of them. Go ahead and pull that, uh, that first item up for me on the list. Um, but he, he talks about the kinds of blessings. And who, is he, who does he say is blessed? The morning. Keep on going. He talks about the humble. Those hungry for righteousness. The merciful. The pure in heart. The peacemakers. And the persecuted. I don't, I don't see the spiritually mature or the wise on this list. This is a description of the kind of kingdom people who are blessed. Let that that list soak in. This is important. Another thing I want to say is is Jesus has a word for these kinds of people. He uses it in other teaching. He, He sums all of this, the mourning, the humble, thirsty, the merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, and persecuted into one word, the lowly. You'll hear him in other Teachings talk about being the lowly or going lower. This is what he's talking about. This is the lowly. Those in lower socio-ecological, political, or cultural situations. Not the rich and powerful, but the low and the humble. Those are the blessed in the kingdom of God. And here's what else I want you to notice. If you look at this list, this is also a pretty good list of uh, a description of Jesus. He was also the merciful, and the mourning, and the humble, and the persecuted. So you could say that the blessed are also the ones who live like Christ. Those people are the blessed. So, so Jesus has this transition from saying, these are the people in the kingdom, the blessed people in the kingdom. And then the next verse in 14, he says, you are the light. Who, who is you? These people. This is the light. This is a, a, a specific bulleted list of what the light looks like. Mourning, humble, merciful, pure, peacemakers. I boil it down to this kind of simple statement. Light is life lived in Christ. 
That's what it is. That's what we're called to. So live a life marked by love and humility and kindness, just like who? Christ. There we go. I'm proud of you guys saying Christ. You could have been like, Jesus. Uh, but you said Christ. That's good. But yeah, it, to live as the light is to live a life in imitation of Christ, who lived this out in so many different ways. Right? Think about it. Jesus, the king of the universe, came to earth in flesh as a peasant, lived in humility, was persecuted and killed. His life models the light, and those of him who, of us, who follow him and live like he lived are also being the light. That's as concrete and as, as, as lived out an example I can give you, and as concrete and lived out an example as Jesus gives us. He says, follow me, do what I do, and you are being the light. So now that we understand, we're on the same page, we understand what the light is. It's life lived in Christ. What is Jesus teaching us about the light in Matthew 5.15? I want to break up the verse into two halves. So let's look at that first half of Matthew 5.15. No one that lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Okay. It seems pretty simple, straightforward. Jesus is saying it, it doesn't make sense to light a lamp and to put it under a basket. That would be silly. <laughs> that would not make sense. What would be the point of lighting a lamp if you were going to hide it and not use it to shine a light into the room. That would be kind of dumb. <laughs> I think something that happens when we read Scripture is like, because all of you, none of you laughed. You got real, maybe a little tense. I think something that happens when we read Scripture is we read it and we're like, oh, this is Scripture. Everything's spiritual. Everything's deep. Everything has five different meanings. And we miss that. Sometimes Jesus says stuff that's a little silly. <laughs> because his audience have been like, and? Duh? Like, what's, you, what's your point? Right for, for them, that light was even more precious than it is for us because they didn't have electricity. Obviously, you all know that. <laughs> but they also, they, they lit, they used oil lamps. So every drop of oil was incredibly precious. It was not a luxury. It was a precious commodity. Every, every drop of oil was a little bit longer that they could live and work at night in the evening. It was incredibly precious. So for Jesus to be like, Listen, no one puts a lamp under a basket. They've been like, obviously, what's your point? <laughs> and we miss that sometimes. But think about what he's saying. So Jesus says, it's silly and nonsense and kind of dumb for someone for, to light a lamp and hide that light. And he's calling them the light. So he's also saying it's kind of silly and dumb and nonsense for you to hide your light. Oh, okay. <laughs> now it's not silly. Now, now Jesus has turned them to like, you're doing the same thing. You're being just as silly when you hide your light. Jesus says it doesn't make sense for us to hide our light. He's, he's making uh, this point that it's just like it's not in the nature of light to be hidden, it's not in the nature of a life lived following Christ to be hidden. It doesn't make sense to follow Christ and do it in a way that no one can see or no one can tell. That's nonsense is what Jesus is saying and trying to teach them. So here's a question I have for us. Do we attempt sometimes to hide our light? And I think there's a, there's a million different examples I could give of ways that we do this. I think there's a couple that maybe make sense in our, our places that most of us have been before. One thing I, I think about is uh, maybe... You're the only Christian in your family. That's actually a situation that I'm in, and it's really uncomfortable. And it's really hard 
to follow Christ in the middle of a group of people who don't believe that you should or understand or support that you're doing it. You could say that you're in a hostile environment and showing your light is, is difficult and has a cost and a consequence, Amen. which is not something that Jesus ever belittles, but many of us have been there. So maybe you're in a hostile environment. Maybe you just don't know. I think many of you are, are new to following Christ, new to scripture, new to faith, and you just don't know what you don't know. You're trying to learn, and you're learning, and you're growing, but there's some areas that you still need to learn more and to grow more. So you're not hiding your light intentionally. You just don't know. And that's okay. That's, that is a great season to be in. And the other thing I was thinking about is when we use this word humility, humbleness. And Pastor Jared talked about this about a month ago, but I want to remind us. Sometimes we misunderstand that word, and we think it means making ourselves little being meek and timid, or even feeling self-loathing towards ourselves, and that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is think about others more than yourself, not think less of yourself. So maybe we misunderstand what we say when we talk about humility. Those are all seasons that many of us have probably uh, been in. And I, I think that's okay. <laughs> it's okay for us to be in those seasons. But, but I want to talk today about how Jesus handles people who are hiding their light or being pressured to hide their light in Scripture, because I think it's going to show us some things. Uh, and I want to go to two stories that are actually pretty similar, uh, but have different audiences. So the first story I want to go to is in Ma- uh, Luke 7, 36-39. So look at this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus, those were the religious leaders, uh, to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful uh, alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Okay, let's, let's unpack some things, because I, I highly doubt any of you have had this situation happen to you. <laughs> Out in public, just a woman wanders in and cries and, and uses her hair to wipe someone's feet. So let me explain a couple of things that are happening here. Uh, first of all, let's talk about uh, where this woman is uh, societally or culturally. Uh, she is a woman with a uh, not great reputation. She's also a woman, which is another problem. But So for her to step into this space full of not only men, but of religious leaders would have been incredibly frowned upon. This was not a space where she was welcome or even really allowed by the rules of the religious elite. So for her to even be there is a problem. Another thing she does, she brings a a jar of expensive perfume and she anoints Jesus' feet with it. Anointing people's heads is a common Jewish practice in that day. It it meant to uh, give someone honor or respect or to, to communicate that they are chosen and set apart for something. But that was to anoint their head. This woman's in a place where she can't even bring herself to do that. We find out in the text, too, that uh, in a different part, that she's, she's coming to ask for Jesus' forgiveness. And she can't even bring herself to anoint his head, so she anoints his feet. The feet is where the servants were. The feet is where the slaves were. She comes in and, and goes to Jesus' feet, which is another uh, mark against her. 
And lastly, and I, I don't have time to unpack all of this, she, the fact that she has her hair out is just another, another way that the religious elite, the Pharisees, would have been like, this is not okay. Our culture, women don't do this in our culture. So my point is that this woman comes into what we would say is a very hostile environment in a place where she is putting on a display that would have been incredibly shameful. And we see the Pharisee thinking, like, if Jesus knew this woman's a sinner, she doesn't belong here. She is not valuable. She is wrong. There is brokenness. She can't be here. Having all these thoughts. And Jesus scolds him. And what he actually does is points the religious leaders in that room to her posture. Look at what he says to them. One of the Pharisees, nope, nope. Uh, So Luke... 40, so the next, there we go, 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, um, not Simon uh, Peter, but the Pharisee, said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and with expensive, uh, wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Jesus sees this woman and says, look at her posture. Look at her love and her humility and her kindness and her mercy. Does her posture remind you of anybody? Maybe that list we pulled up earlier of the humble, of the merciful, of the forgiving of the low. And for those of you who have been around Scripture a little bit, does this story remind you of a time maybe when Jesus washed the feet of his own disciples? Jesus points to this woman and says, she has incredible value because she's coming to me in being the light. This woman is the light. This is a lived-out illustration, not just of Jesus being the light, but of someone who followed him being the light. This woman is the light. She is the lowly, and she is using her light to serve and love Jesus. This is what Jesus is talking about. When we talk about being a light-bearer, this is it. She's doing it. And think about what she had. She has this bottle of expensive perfume. Expensive perfume. I, we have the word expensive, but I mean, you guys know how much a bottle of perfume is. Like, <laughs> the, the reality is, that's probably all this woman had to offer. This was her best offering. And I wonder, I wonder if some of you have been told that to be the light of Christ, you have to have more. You have to have more wisdom, more maturity more Bible reading and prayer. I wonder if you've been told that you have to have more uh, church attendance or more service on a Sunday before you can be of use. And if you're not there, you're not valuable. This is what I need you to know and what Jesus needed these Pharisees to know. Your light has value. Your light has value. Yeah, you belong. But your light has value. Jesus turns to this woman and says to a room full of religious elite who are supposed to get it, she has more value than all of you. 
What she has done for me has value. How she is showing humility and kindness and being a peacemaker has value. He points out to them, like, you, you didn't disrespect me, but she went above and beyond to show me honor to the point that she brought herself shame to do it. This is what the light looks like. Jesus, when he has called us to be the light, has given us everything that we need. We are precious to him, and what he desires from us is not expensive gifts, but a posture of light. It's not even about what you have. I think some of you need to hear that today. It's not about what you have. What you have is not more significant than what you bring and how you bring it. Your posture is the most valuable thing in the world to God and to Jesus. Not that expensive perfume, but the posture with which she brought it and what she did with it. That is what matters. So when Jesus calls you to be the light and you hear messages about how you have to have more, you ignore them. Because that's not what Jesus does. And that's not the message that Jesus gave this woman. I want you to say something with me. Can you say no more hiding? No more hiding. One more time. No more hiding. No more hiding. No more hiding. Because there's no more hiding for those who are in the kingdom and who are the light. Let's remember that today. I'm not done, though. I have another story I want to get to. Another story. So this story is actually really similar. It's another woman who comes to Jesus and anoints, this time, his head with oil. The difference is that this time it's not the Pharisees who are there with Jesus. It's the disciples. And they, they feel a certain way, as they often do. Uh, <laughs> Look at this time in Matthew 26. Uh, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, different Simon, uh, who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. Right, here it is. Here's their chance to shine. (laughs) What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured the perfume on me to, we'll come back to this, prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. So the disciples, upon seeing the same exact situation, they get angry. Why are they mad? They start yelling about how this is such a waste and how this woman could have taken this expensive perfume and sold it and given money to the poor. I think maybe something to consider, though, is that doesn't sound so crazy. I mean, isn't that what Jesus called them to do? To care for the poor? To be the light? To care for the lowly? Doesn't this sound like the right answer? Well, Jesus scolds them. He he corrects them. Here's what I think is happening. I think the disciples have an incorrect posture. We talked about the posture of the woman in the first story, and I would say that this woman has the same posture. So I don't want to spend, not that it's not important, but I want you to notice the disciples. What's their posture? I would say that they have a posture of being right. A posture of having the right answer, a posture of being a good student. And I'm not, 
I'm not here to demonize the disciples. I think there is something to be said about wanting to get your faith right, about wanting to understand what Jesus calls you to do right. That's okay. Some of you are students, and you're very much in that season, and some of you are, are young Christians, and you're very much in that season. And it's, it's okay to be concerned that you are following Jesus in the right way. It is not okay to have a posture of rightness to the point that you miss being the light. They're, they're so concerned with doing the right thing that they miss what this, this woman is doing, and Jesus tells them that people will remember her posture. Here's what I want to remind us and what Jesus was trying to remind the, the fresh disciples. A posture of right is not light. Those are different things. Remember that list that we had of, of the Beatitudes and, and, and what the light looks like, and we talked about humility and forgiveness, and we talked about righteousness, but we didn't talk about rightness. We didn't talk about being correct. Jesus did not say that being correct brings you blessing. It wasn't on the list. And, and he's trying to gently show his disciples that this is what it's about, that being the light is about being lowly and humble and kind. And talk about kindness. I, I said we talk about this. This is right before Jesus is going to be crucified, tortured on a cross, And the amazing thing that I wish I had time to unpack is that this woman seems to know that. And she's there to what? Prepare Jesus' body for burial. Talk about kindness and mercy. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and and, and lead them into this incredibly difficult moment. And this woman shows up and says, let me care for you. Let me show you kindness. Let me show you mercy. Let me show you honor because I know what this is going to cost you. That's the right posture. The posture of light. And, and I, could, I could sit up here and talk for half an hour about all the ways that the church is, has messed this up, especially the Western church. I don't want to do that. I don't I want this to be a message about what not to do. I want it to be a message about what to do. So all I ask is that you remember what it looks like to be the light, and remember that that's not correctness, but lowness, humility, and kindness, and forgiveness, and mercy, and gentleness. That's what the light is being about, not about being correct. Okay. We got one more half of the verse. Let's, let's unpack that other half of the verse. So we read the first half, uh, Matthew 5.15. Here's the second half. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Okay. So Jesus says, what you don't do with the height, the light is hide it. And everyone says, duh. Okay. And then he turns it around on them. But then the back half, he talks about what you do with it. Uh, And a little bit of context is helpful. Again, uh, the first century uh, ancient world did not have uh, spotlights. They didn't have 300,000 billion lumen lights. (laughs) What they had were oil lamps. They were actually pretty meager in terms of the amount of light they gave off. So it was really important, not just that you lit it, obviously, but also that you placed it in the right spot. Because if you put it in a corner or or you put it in a crowded space, then the light wouldn't reach the whole room. So they actually had lampstands. Oftentimes that they they decorated um, ornamentally because they were so important. Remember what I said, every drop of oil is a precious commodity. So they really cared about placement. It really mattered. It was a key piece of what you did with the light is you had to position it in the correct 
spot. So what is Jesus teaching us? If, if our light is a life lived in Christ, what is Jesus teaching us about our light? He's calling us to be well-positioned lights. Not just lights that are turned on and are visible, but also are visible in the right place, in the right position. So we don't just need correct posture, we also need correct position. And whenever we need an example of what to do, who do we look to? (laughs) Jesus, there we go. We look to Jesus. And, And that's one thing that really stands out about Jesus' ministry, is he went above and beyond to position himself in the right places. So often he, he would take paths or uh, take roads, literally, that would lead him where he needed to be to be the light to someone. There were times where his disciples would question his decisions and be like, it doesn't make sense to go that way. And Jesus would, would tell them, we need to go this way. My friend John likes to talk about Jesus' divine appointments, is the words he liked to use, which I, I like. And that very much describes Jesus knows that there is somewhere he needs to be at a specific moment, in a specific position, so that someone can receive his light. And he does this over again and again. We see him in Scripture in the right place at the right time with the right people because he understood that position was important, that he needed to be somewhere for someone else to see. So here's what I want to ask us. Are we in the right position? Once you have the posture, are you in the right position? Have you made yourself accessible and available? Have you opened yourself to conversations and opportunities to be the light? Have you prioritized those? Is, is being the light more important than your schedule, than your list of things to do, than all the places that you have to be and all the things that you have to do? Do you prioritize being the light to other people above all of that stuff? How do you position yourself in your day-to-day life? I want to share a bit about what we're doing as a staff. We, uh, the past four weeks or three weeks, we have been uh, using our devotional time to have conversations about how we can be a more loving and kind uh, community for each other, uh, community as in the staff. And, and we're not doing that because it's our job description, We're doing that because we realize that as we talk about being torchbearers, about being the light and leading not just the staff, but the congregation, all of you to be the light, then we better be a pretty good example of that. We better model that well. So we've been having, at times, really difficult conversations about what are areas where we haven't been as kind and as loving and as unified as we could be, and how do we take steps toward being more kind and loving and unified? Because it matters. Because it's, it's one thing for us to stand up on a stage and tell you what you have to do. It's another thing for us to model what that looks like and to do it with you. So we've been having those conversations as a staff, and my invitation to you today is to begin to have those conversations in your family, with your friends, in your quiet time. We've taken a posture of light as a community But that requires us being in the right position in our community to be the light. If we're going to be a torch that bears light, then we got to be in the right place. And we have to consider where where has God placed us? Where has he given us opportunities to step into that role of being the light to someone in our community or our family or our friend group? 
It's going to require us to be well positioned. So I, I want us to do two things this week. These are my challenges and my calls to you this week. First, I, I want you to know your posture. Know your posture. So I want you to meditate and memorize. I think that's how we remember things like this. I want you to meditate on the Beatitudes, on Matthew 5. And I want you to kind of do a personal inventory. What are you doing on that list? And what are you doing that's not on that list? And I want you to let go of anything that's not on the list. I want you to let go of of anger, of selfishness, of pride, of shame, of guilt, All of those things that are not a part of who Jesus is calling you to be as a light, as a torchbearer, I want you to let go of them. We've also been asking that you memorize this scripture as a a way to keep it in your mind as you go throughout your your day and your week and your year of to be the light. So meditate on Matthew and, and memorize the scripture I read today. The other thing I want you to do is to position yourself well. Think about it this week. What what are the spaces that God has called you to? Can you be a light in your family? Can you be a light in your school? Can you be a light in your work? Can you be a light at church? Can you be a light in the grocery store? You can. The answer is yes. But where are the places that God has placed you? Where are the the touch points to the community where you can shine a light to the whole room? And then I want you to commit. Write it down. Pick one. This week I will be a light in blank, in the grocery store, in school, in work, wherever. So know your posture. Reflect on what the light looks like. And position yourself well. Put yourself in the spaces where you're going to be the light uh, to the community and to those around you. I am so excited for this vision and for us to, to talk about what it looks like. We, we've been dreaming about this for a year, a year and a half. So to be able to finally talk about it with our community, with our church, and to get excited and to dream about all of the ways that God is, is going to use us as the light, that we are going to shine a light into our community as torchbearers is so incredibly exciting. And to know that you as a community want to go after loneliness and mental health, it just brings us so much joy. And we're so excited for it. And we can't wait for what's next. But the, I'd say the key ingredient in of us doing any of this is prayer. Because if, we, if we're not in communication with our Father, if we're not in communication with Jesus, who gave us the example of what it looks like to be like, then we're probably going to have a hard time. So I, I want to close uh, my time with you by just leading us in prayer. So uh, if you could bow your head, um, stand up if you feel like it. Jesus, uh, we thank you. We thank you for the model that you gave us. We thank you for your clarity. You did not give us a mission and a task and leave us to wonder how we do it. You gave us an example of of how to be the light. Not only in your teaching, but in the way you lived your life. So this week, I ask that you would bring to us your scripture, your word. Bring to us in our our minds stories, remembrance of how you lived. Show us what it looks like to be the light, Jesus. And this week, I also ask that you would, you would lead us to the places where you want us. Because this isn't a thing we're doing for our benefit. This is a thing we are doing to build the kingdom. We are torchbearers because the kingdom is here and we desperately want to be a part of it. We want to have a hand in it. 
So Jesus, I ask that this week you would lead us to the places in the community where our light can shine the brightest. Position us where our light can reach the whole room. Every bit, every lonely person, everyone who is struggling, everyone who is, is weeping, who is grieving, who is mourning, who needs you desperately, God, lead us to those places, not to the places where we feel comfortable and safe, but the places where we feel uncomfortable, the places where we see people who desperately need you, who need you more than anything else that this world has to offer. God, lead us to those places. Let us shine in those places. Give us the strength and the courage and the peace to stay in those places and to shine your light for all to see. Be with us this week as we go after this. Amen. Welcome back. I hope that you were encouraged by that message. I hope that you gained a better understanding of of what Jesus means when he is calling us to be the light and what that looks like. And also, I hope you consider this week where God has placed you and how you can be a well-positioned light, just like I talked about. Uh, But if you're going through anything, whether it's processing something from this sermon or just going through something in your life that you need encouragement and support, uh, we would love to do that. We would love to encourage you and support you. but we want to connect to you to do that personally. Uh, so again, fill out a connect card and indicate if there's if there's anything that you need uh, support regarding or, or help or, or, like I said, just prayer. Uh, but fill that out. Let us know. I hope you have a blessed week. I hope that this is another week where you reflect on what it means to be a light in your community and what that might require from you. Uh, but we will see you again real soon.